1: Hey, my how are you? I'm good, thanks and how are you? I'm okay, thank you.
0: I am so uh, glad you finally made
1: the time. Like finally made the time. To see me. I know you've been trying to get time with me, but um, in in call centers and in customer care situations come up and it you know one has to be change your diary and your calendar to meet those demands. So sorry about that
0: no no not a problem so that on its own just tell me how important your customers are isn't it what it's about
1: (laughs) absolutely and in this job one has to be willing to stop what you're doing to deal with any customer crisis or issue that comes up you know and this week we had obviously the lockdown um level three being announced and that causes a lot of Challenges for us in the sense that we have to implement operational changes uh, to become compliant with the regulations so we can support our customers even during the lockdown.
0: Okay, no, that's good. But anyway, we've jumped the gun, Marlene. I need you to introduce yourself. I think you'll do a better job than I will.
1: Okay, so I am uh, Marlene Sampson. I am the head of customer care for um, Multi Choice South Africa. And yeah, I've been doing this at Multi Choice now for just over seven years, which I can't believe I'm saying, but I, I really love what I do. So, yeah.
0: Okay, that's great. So to start, Marlene, I need you to take us a step back. How did you end up in, what do we call it, call center, contact center, customer center, space? Mm. just take us, take us back. How did you decide to do, to do this?
1: So, I started like most people do when they start a call center job is they see it as a way to earn money. I was um, studying and I realized that I needed um, some extra cash so I was working at a call i was I was studying during the day at Ver University, and I was working at a call center in the evening and on weekends and I did the call center job purely uh, to earn money. It was never going to be a career okay. but Um, In the process of, um, you know, working in the call center, I started to love it so much and get opportunities in that space that I eventually parked my studies halfway through, like I didn't even finish. I went back to university many years later, but I parked my studies halfway through and um, against everyone's advice at the time. um, I can
0: imagine. Everybody uh, thought you were mad. Like, Why?
1: (laughs) can you leave your studies? You have one more year to do because I had finished two years of industrial psychology at wits And everyone was like, no, you have one more year to go. Why don't you just finish? And I was like, no, I have the opportunity to earn more money in this course into job. I'm loving it. I'm going to take it full force. And that's what I did. And I'm so glad I took that decision because today I'm, I'm very senior in the industry. And obviously I'll, I'll share with you some of the achievements that have happened later on. But the bottom line is I started like everyone else where it, It was just a cash-earning job. But
0: tell me, you're talking about how passionate you discovered. And there was this thing that just, for you to even stop your studies, that for me is mind-blowing. So talk to me a little bit more. What was that all about? What were you passionate about? What was driving you?
1: So there were a few things. The first thing for me was the job really, I realized, resonated so much with my personality in the sense of, I really enjoy being around people. And as much as that sounds cliche, it's exactly how I am. So for example, in my job today, the thing I hate the most is sitting behind my computer, having to deal with emails. The things I love the most is is speaking to people. So very early on i realized wow this job is speaking to me it's exactly what i want to do i'm studying industrial psychology for the very reason that i want to work around people and this job is allowing me to do that full force all day long whether it was on the phone or whether it was with colleagues in the office Mm -hmm. so that was the first thing the second thing which i think a lot of people don't realize which i realized at the time And by the way, we're talking, I know I look very young, but we're talking now 1997, 1998, around there. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized just how much potential this industry had and how much potential there was for growth in the organization that I was working in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, literally a year after leaving university and, and immersing myself fully into this job, I was a call center agent. Um, at the time, we were called um, service and sales agents, mm-hmm. um, working for the F&B contact center. They had just started their telephone banking division.
0: Okay.
1: So a year into being a telephone banking consultant, working from 4 p.m. until midnight every day, Oh my um, god! Okay, right? I then became a team leader, and then my career just grew and grew fast after that okay. because of opportunities in, in the industry.
0: Okay so so talk to me a bit more about what does the career progression look like in this industry because i think so most people just think of it as you say as a as an entry into an organization and there are very few that feel that they can grow within the space you know so, so of talk what about the industry,
1: center that center industry such a great place to work in is it's not a linear progression. You know, when you go into a specific job, like, um, I don't know, like like when you're doing analytics, it's a very specific job, it it has a very specific growth path, and it's very limited in terms of what you can achieve. Mm. The thing about a call center job is it exposes you to the entire organization across multiple disciplines, across multiple departments, and the choice then becomes yours as to <clears throat> which direction do you want to grow? So people always think when you join a call center, you're going to either be a call center agent for forever, or you're going to be a call center agent, then you're going to become a supervisor, then you're going to become a manager. That is not the case. So what I often say to my teams, and, and the, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage, what I always say to my teams is, you can't con me with this job because I've done all of it, right? So in the call center industry, you can... <clears throat> be a call center agent you can become a supervisor a manager and grow linear like that but there's also other things there's things like planning there's things like analytics there's things like marketing um, there's things like sales um, there's legal there is uh, finance there's compliance people can literally branch out into so many different careers but the starting point being a call center agent and what I want to say to people out there who think that call center jobs are menial, it's really up to the person what mm-hmm. they make of job. I always say to the call center agents that work for me, if you are a call center agent for longer than two years, you are you are causing yourself massive damage in your career.
0: Okay. Because
1: those first two years that you are a call center agent, the first year you are spending, learning... Um, applying your learning, doing the best you can in your job, performing, etc. Mm-hmm. But from the same year onwards, you need to start asking yourself some serious questions. If you're studying mm-hmm. on the side or if you're not, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And then start to focus your efforts and your energies towards that. So, for example, another great job that that you can branch out to from being a call center agent is in HR. Mm-hmm. So I would say to someone who has a passion for people and who wants to work in HR, while you have this call center job, get an HR qualification. And because you've worked in the call center and worked with people, when you then show up in that HR interview, you have a much better advantage than someone who's coming from the outside who hasn't worked in the call center or in the organization. So that's an example of how I think people can branch out and use the call center agent job almost as a platform. So I would say two years is the maximum that you should be a call center agent but you can be longer provided that you are studying on the side and you are clear that you want to become a, B or C. So for yeah. example, you stay a call center agent for four years, but during those four years you were studying a BCom in finance. And then at the end of the four years, you then branch out into finance. That is, I think, a great way to launch your career. Yeah. People, need to, people need to get rid of this perception that the call center job is a job where you're going to get stuck in it's a low paying job etc it is designed to be a low paid job by the way it is not mm. meant to be a high paying job because can you imagine if a call center job or agent job was a high paying job people would just sit there and take calls for the rest of their lives so what an unexciting thing to do
0: mm. so
1: By design, it is the lowest paid job in the organization because it forces people then to think about their career and to branch out into into much bigger things.
0: Yeah. So tell me, what skills, though, do you think the person moving out of the call center space can take into the different um, spaces that you've just spoken about? Yeah.
1: Good question. So I think even before that, Entering into a call center space, what is absolutely critical is you must have good communication skills. If you want to enter, call centers these days are no longer how call centers used to be. We are now in a digital world. So call centers have evolved into contact centers and a little bit more of a technical term, omni-channel contact centers. So Mm -hmm. what that means is service customers via voice calls, via email, via social media, via live chat, via WhatsApp, All of these things, we service our customers on these platforms. Yeah. So if you become a call center agent as a starting point, Mm -hmm. um, you need to have good communication skills. Right. So whether it be verbal or writing, you need to have good communication skills. Mm -hmm. Once you are there and once you've landed the job, I would say apply yourself in that first six months 100% to that job because that's your foundation, that's your platform, that's the time when you're going to learn um, then after that, six months to a year, you should be starting to ask yourself the question: What do I want to do after this job? Mm-hmm. And what I would recommend for people is to answer that question for themselves. Maybe use a career coach like yourself to help them answer that question, mm-hmm. or sit with themselves, look at their strengths and their weaknesses, and determine what do they want to do um, after this job.
0: Yeah. Then
1: I would need the people to say, What gives you an advantage above someone else's education? Mm-hmm. So Whilst you're then in the call center job and as you transition from six months to a year and beyond, I would recommend that you study on the side. So some organizations are really great in that um, they would pay for people's study. So multi-choice, for example, if someone has been a permanent staff member for at least a year, um, that person can be working in the call center and be studying to be a lawyer and the company will be paying for that. So I would also say, look for organizations that offer programs like that. And mm-hmm. while you're doing your call center job and earning your call center job uh, money,
0: yeah.
1: you are studying on the side. And, and my advice to people there is, whilst you are studying on the side, don't become frustrated with this job. This job is giving you the foundation that you're going to need once you graduate. So yeah. do this do it well, whilst you are studying and studying well, passing, mm-hmm good results then when you get to the end where you've now graduated two things have happened you have yeah. massive experience behind you in the organization you have built networks inside the organization of people that you could turn to and and, and apply within the organization or other organizations and yeah. thirdly you have, so you're showing up in an interview if i for example was to use a matriculant. So many matriculants make the mistake of going out of school and going straight to university. I say that is the wrong step. So as a senior person in the contact center industry, just to give you some context and I'm sp- to give you context of, of why I believe I'm speaking from a place of credibility,
0: yeah.
1: I won the award for the best uh, customer care executive in the world a few years ago. I... My, my, My call center or my customer care department won the award for the best customer care department in the world twice, once in in Las Vegas. So when I'm talking to people, I'm speaking from a place of knowledge and credibility. I'm not trying to sort of convince people to join this industry. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying, that is possible for people. But the mistake that people often make is they go straight out of school into university. And I say that is a massive mistake. And here's why. When you are studying and when you are um, learning these various concepts, let's say you are doing a BCOM,
0: yeah.
1: you have no clue how an organization works. Should work. All you <laughs> is what you were taught in matric. And let's be honest, guys, the way okay, we are anything. ...as how the world works, right? So there yeah. you are learning about management, procurement, all of these kind of things. And you've never heard of these things in your life before. Yeah. So the, the material seems foreign. Um, it, it's, it's very distant. It, it isn't something that you can apply, but there you are with your bad self, learning your b um, <laughs> and you show up in the world of work and all you have is book knowledge and you, you have to, as much as you have a degree, you are forced to start at the bottom. Yeah. My advice to people, you know, you have these people that take a gap year. And for, and for people taking a gap year, they often think of, no, I'm going to travel. I'm going to go and work as a, as a, what do they call this thing? An or pay. Oh. I'm like, guys, you are crazy. Don't do that. My advice is come out of school, get into a call center job immediately. Don't even think of studying. For one year of your life, especially the first six months to a year, all you do, invest yourself in that call center job. It will give you a solid foundation and knowledge of how organizations work, how the world of work works. And let's be honest, you're going to go from being a matriculant, only having pocket money that you get from your parents to earning uh, like a lot of money that you can, if you, if you are into this, go and party on the weekends, if that's your thing, go shopping, whatever. So for the first year, I would say, go and work in like a call center type job. Yeah. Then whilst you're in this job, decide what you want to become then whilst you're in this job, study. And I'm speaking from personal experience here. When I I left school, I went straight to uh, university. As I said earlier, I I studied industrial psychology at Witts University, and I must be honest, guys, I would sit there with this material and it made no sense to me whatsoever. In fact, my very first exam, I will never forget it. My very first exam, I failed terribly because I didn't get it, right? Anyway, I shared with you, I went into the world of work, I left my studies after two years, and then many years later, many, like I think seven or so years later, I decided to pick up again, but this, this time do a BCom through UNISA. And even though I didn't have a lecturer in front of me, mm. I books as we do with UNISA, um, It was so powerful because the things they were talking about in these textbooks is the things i was doing in my job because i was a manager by then Mm
0: -hmm. and i
1: became so knowledgeable that i was even able to challenge some of the concepts in the textbook so i would get in my management studies i've never scored lower than than an a in my management studies during Mm -hmm. the b why because not only was i giving them back the answers that they were looking for in the exam but I was able to also approach the exam, especially essay-type questions, with a critical mind yeah. and challenge the textbook to say, mm-mm, that's not how Doesn't it works. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> I found that I then did really, really well in my studies. And, the, and this is going to sound really crazy. I promise you, I, I have to study really hard. I'm not, I'm not um, one of those people with a super high IQ. So don't think when I say the following that I'm someone who has a high IQ. But I found that I was able to write my management exam in the BCom without study. It astonished me. But Mm -hmm. why I was able to do that is because I took, I think I took the right step, which is I went into the world of work. I understood and grew in the world of work, showed up in the studies and it all made sense. And the BCom was literally like ticking a box. So that's what I would say to people. And, um, what you will then find, if you follow that path of matric work, potentially in a, co- a contact center, and then studying while you work, is mm. your studies will be easier. The, the 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 work and the studies will sort of work parallel with each other. And then when you come out on the other end with your degree, you have book knowledge, you have organisational and work knowledge, yeah. and you're really able to show up, whether it be in an interview in an assessment and you have ten times more advantage than someone who left school, went straight to university and is now trying to get a job based on their BCOM. So yeah. that's sort of how I mean, people navigate.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. But I can relate to the story of having done a degree and you've got no clue what they're talking about. So I always share a story that I did my BCOM. What saved me was I was sponsored by Unilever. So I would go work at Unilever during holidays. And that's right. when some of the concepts started to make sense. But yeah. even that though, it wasn't, it wasn't a solid enough. And I always tell people that only when I did my MBA, that's when things started making sense. Because I had worked for years and I then had business experience. So by the time I walked into an MBA class, I was like, okay now I understand why some of these things are happening in real life or in the corporate space, but just having your degree, I can relate to that. It's just like.
1: For me that, that we get taught by our teachers at school, our parents do this, our families do this. And even our friends where we get taught this, there's one of two paths that you can follow when you matriculate, either you Ah. go and have a gap year or you go to university or you go and study to try and get some kind of qualification. I, as an experienced senior professional who has done really well in this industry, want to challenge that notion. And I want to say to people, your gap year is your first year, your entry-level job. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be taking it for free. You can earn some really decent and good money. There are some call centers who pay really good money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I would challenge people and say, let your first year after your metric be the year where you go and work and then only in year two do you then go and study and and work towards because let's be honest guys a degree is not cheap yeah why government offers these programs where where they pay for people i mean i'm one of those people i couldn't afford to study when i was studying yeah and no, this what is this thing called again um at the time it was called Tertiary education. TEFSA.
0: It was TEFSA back in the day.
1: NEFSAS. <laughs> yeah. Now it's NFSAS, yeah. right? Yeah. So I would, I would say to people, grab those opportunities. They are out there. You can do that on the side. You don't have to go and study full time. You don't have to sit in front of a lecturer. There is so much material available online. But what is pivotal, more important than study, get the work experience, especially in South Africa. Yeah. We, we economy where there are a lot of people at the bottom end of the of the economic scale Um, and if you show up in a interview or in an assessment with work experience you are significantly better than a lot of the other people who are either showing up only with a degree or nothing
0: yeah yeah true true thanks for that so but also take us through the linear progression though within the, within the contact center space. So what does that look
1: like? So the linear progression is mostly about leadership. So as you can imagine, contact centers are about people. Um, a contact center is, is staffed and, and, and customers speak to people. So in my context, for example, I have about 2000 people across the country who report under me. Um, and, Therefore, in the linear progression of call centers, if you were to follow the traditional growth path like I did, you would go from being a call center agent to being a team leader or supervisor. <clears throat> then from there, you become a manager. And from there, you can then grow into sort of senior. And then after after that, you would grow into executive leadership, which is where I am now. Yeah. Um, but that, that's sort of the path. And why that's actually such a good question, Nbumi, is If people want to grow in a linear way uh, in a call center or in a contact center, they must understand that the first skill you need, like I said earlier on, to be a contact center agent is good communication skills. But beyond that, when you grow to the next level, your most important skill becomes leadership and people skills. Without those two skills, you will not grow higher in, in the call center career because IQ is not... The thing that counts the most in this job what counts the most in this job is eq iq are for people who are in um, analytics in um, finance in all of those jobs this job is very much about eq and your ability to lead people obviously you can't you can't not have um IQ. knowledge <laughs> obviously as you grow you do need to you you have to do the the time i always yeah. say to who are frustrated that they're not growing to the next level of management. Because when you grow from a call center agent to a first line leader, like a supervisor, you are moving from having strong communication skills only to now becoming strong communication skills plus people leadership skills. Then when you move from being a team leader or supervisor to a manager, you move from having strong communication skills plus people skills now you also need to have a lot of technical skill what do i mean by technical skill you need to know how a call center works at its nuts and bolts levels i'm not going to terms and technical terms here because a lot of the people who listen to it may not be able to relate but the bottom line you need to understand how to do planning how how to uh, how to manage service levels how to manage um wrap up abandonment productivity average handle time you need to understand all of those concepts and that becomes sort of that third layer.
0: Mm-hmm. Then
1: when you move from manager to senior manager, you now need to have, and you can yeah, I'm building, building the skills. Yeah, The first skill, which is the great communication skills, which you started with as a contact center agent. The yeah. second skill, which is the leadership skill, which you gained as first line leader. The third skill, which is the technical skill, which you gained as a, as a manager, now you're about to move into senior management, you require strategic thinking. And by this point, you must have done your studies in management or BCom or that kind of thing because it will equip you for this next layer of senior management. And by strategic thinking, I mean, it's the ability to think beyond the day-to-day, week-to-week, or even month-to-month operational issues. It's okay. the ability to move forward six months and 12 months in advance and say, so what's coming up in our customer environment? How do we need to plan and prepare our operations and our people and, and so forth to get to that point? <clears throat> then you come up with a strategy, you roll it backwards towards all your managers, leaders, and and, and, and frontline staff, and mm-hmm. that becomes an important skill. And then lastly, at the executive level, you, you go one step further where... You not only need the good communication skills, the leadership skills, the technical skills, and the strategic management skills, you now need a lot of skill around financials, um, the ability to understand how the business itself works, how the business makes its money, and how you as a customer care division can add value to the business at a commercial profit cost etc level and that's the executive job so as you see and and what i want to say to people out there based on how i've just built those different levels and what skills you need at each level you will notice that you don't get to skip a level you don't get to get frustrated and say i've been a call center agent for too long i deserve to be a manager because if you skip the leadership step you will not be able to do the jobs later on so I would say to people, and and that was my biggest coaching to to people that I've led um, who have been in leadership or management positions is you have to do the time because they will, for example, in my executive job where you need to get your hands dirty and go three levels down to understand a problem, to fix a problem. And the only way that you can do that is if you understand how that job works and you've done the time in that job. I mean, there was a time in, I grew quite quickly in my career, but there was a time in my career, if I can use the word stuck, where at the time I thought I was stuck and it was at the team leader supervisor layer where I stayed in that job for five years. And generally people stay in that level of job for about three years. And I got very frustrated, very angry that I wasn't growing, very sad. I mean, I remember showing up and this is going to sound so crazy, but you know me, Pumi. I remember showing up in an interview um, and going through the interview and then afterwards just bursting out in tears because I couldn't believe how long I was stuck in this job and I just wasn't breaking through to the next level. But looking back, I realized the importance of having done the time. And I'm so glad I spent those five years as a a team leader or supervisor because it equipped me for the job I'm doing today in the sense of it strengthened my people and leadership ability significantly. I mean, you've worked with me now for a while. You have seen how I lead people. It's something I really pride myself on. I yeah. enjoy how people, um, I get good feedback from my people in terms of leadership. So had I not done the full five years in that job, I don't think I would have been as good at leadership as what I am now. So, yeah. so that's, point I want to make to people is as you sort of progress through the different levels of the call center uh, career or the contact center career, be patient with yourself. And if I was to introduce almost a a spiritual concept here, uh, God and the universe knows what you need and how long you need it for. Be patient. Don't become complacent. There's a big difference between complacency and patience. Patience says, I know where I'm going. I'm very Mm -hmm. committed i'm going but i understand that i need to do the time and i need to wait so that i can learn and perfect my skill complacency says oh no i'm going to be stuck in this job for as long as i need to i'm earning the money and unless the company develops me i'm not going to move further you can imagine where those two kinds of people will end up the complacent will will still be there 10 years later the individual would have grown in their career
0: yeah, yeah, no, true that. But you might find that the complacent person is actually just comfortable
1: being there, yes. and that's just a personal choice. Yep. And can we talk about comfort quickly? So, yeah. so I do, I yeah. do motivational speaking. So I do to, I just want to throw this piece in there for people. Okay. I didn't. So, so this year, 2021. Um, 2020. I'm, I mean, 2020. Can you see I'm wondering? Forward, <laughs> it's been such a challenging year that I want to skip forward, but anyway, 2020. Yeah, I'm sure many people can tell many stories about what they had been through in 2020. It could be sad stories, good stories, but I think we all have a story to tell. Yeah, but I have quite a few that 2020 have visited on my doorstep, but one of them that I honestly didn't realize is. I started to realize that I was in a comfort zone.
0: And wow. comfort
1: zone is extremely, extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how it showed up for me is I, I was in this comfort zone. I read this book, um, The Road Less Traveled by M. Oh. Scott Peck. Mm-hmm. I read this book many years ago, and it didn't make sense to me. And then I've decided to pick it up again this year. And the opening, you know, me. I want to ask people to just go and to just go and read the opening line of this book. It's as if that opening line this year was written for me because I got stuck there for two days. For two days, I couldn't move past the opening line of the book. Wow. And the opening line of the book is life is difficult. And until you understand and accept that you will always suffer. And what I, what, what I took out of that for me is that I got myself into such a comfort zone that whenever I would face challenges or struggles in my life, I would resent it. I would become upset. I would become angry. I would be like, why me? Whatever else. And what this line did for me is it challenged that notion that I have that life should be easy. And it caused me to look even deeper into how did I end up in this comfort zone? Because I'm an extremely ambitious individual. I'm someone who pushes the limits. Um, like I shared with you earlier, i want the best executive in the world. But that's exactly the, the price you pay with success. After becoming the best in the world in your career, what is left? Mm. What else is there for you to do? Yeah. So... Without realizing it, I allowed myself to get into a comfort zone for many years mm. after that award. Because for me, it was like, I know this job in and out. I can do it with my eyes closed. There's no challenge that can be thrown at me that can't be resolved. And most importantly, uh, after being the best in the world, like what else do I strive for? Yeah. I want to challenge people to say, really and truly inspect your comfort zones. Because what happened to me, and I couldn't figure out wh- you know, what, why it was happening is I became severely depressed. And you you assume that it's because of lockdown, you're not seeing anybody, whatever. But when I looked deeper, I realized there's a big component of that depression that has come from the fact that I was in a comfort zone. And what does one feel like or look like when you're in a comfort zone? You aren't uh, growing, you aren't stretching yourself, you aren't making a difference in people's lives anymore. Yeah. you are basically in a lull. And being in a stressful, a constantly stressful situation on the one end and being in a constantly comfortable situation are both equally dangerous. Mm -hmm. And what I realized as I did some research on comfort zones is the human body is not designed to always be comfortable. Extreme comfort is just as stressful for the human body as consistent high stress. Right. Yeah. Mm. In terms of comfort zones, that was a big learning for me this year. And, and I really would say to people, if you are, and how would you identify that you are in a comfort zone? If you are in a job for too long, so I shared earlier on that I've been at March Choice for seven years. I haven't been doing the same job for seven years. Yeah. So I have grown rest. But if you are in the, in the same job, if you are in... A relationship that no longer stimulates you if you are um in a environment at home where you are just comfortable to be there and you're not challenging yourself but most importantly if you are finding that you are no longer making a difference in other people's lives you are in a danger zone yeah because that the reason why we are blessed and the reason why we are given what we are given is so that we can multiply it yeah. the moment The moment the blessings stop with you and you're not giving, like Mpumi, one of the things that inspires me about you is how you have used your skills, your knowledge, your training uh, in your career and how you're giving back, how you are coaching people, how you are helping people. I've seen quite a few of the messages that you've shared with me of how people are saying thank you for how you've helped them. The best way to get out of a comfort zone is invest yourself in other people. Because when you are making a difference in the lives of others, the blessings no longer get stuck in your hand. They are multiplied because you are multiplying. If you are someone who is not giving back to other people or making a difference in other people, for God, you become a bad investment because the blessings stop with you. They're not going further. Oh my God, now you're preaching. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on.
0: Let Let me ask you another question. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing about that. So, but tell me a bit, within the contact center, what are the different spaces that are there that people can either rotate into? Because initially you were speaking about digital, you were speaking about it's not the same anymore as back in the day. What are those different spaces?
1: Okay. So this, I'm going to answer as short as possible because it's quite specific. You can either stay in the customer service space as in inbound customer service calls. You can go into a sales environment. uh, If you enjoy that more, you can go into like a digital customer care environment where you are speaking to customers only via chats and and so forth. And I know a lot of people out there love to be on WhatsApp all the time. It's actually, if you're good at that and you're constantly typing to your friends and family on WhatsApp, there's a job like that in in customer care. Uh, You can branch out into that. Um, And then a little bit more senior, you can branch out into coaching. You can branch out into training. You can branch out into HR. You can branch out into planning. So those are sort of the beginning stages of the the customer care or contact center jobs that you could branch out into.
0: So it tells me a lot of people don't, know about this planning and you've said it a number of times what does that entail
1: so planning is the most critical thing in a contact center so people just assume that when they call a call center there'll be people on the other side that will answer the calls that doesn't happen automatically Um, the planning team actually uses historical data and uses that to predict how many calls will come in and it may sound like witchcraft but i promise you it isn't they are able to predict on any particular day by using, for example, three years worth of data within a margin of 5%, how many calls we will get at any particular half an hour in the day. And they are very accurate.
0: Wow. So
1: it's, it's quite a science. It's, it's quite magical to watch them do what they do. But it's one of the most, without that function, the call center can't function.
0: And, and do you learn that on the job? Or is there a degree that comes with learning planning?
1: So that's such a good question for me. Some of the people who have ended up in our planning team are people who have approached me or the leadership team and said, I really am interested in this planning thing. I'm really interested in how the shifts work. And what they would literally do is they would come in on their off days and spend those days with the workforce planning team. And the workforce planning team has been great. They would teach these people. Um, And some of the people who are now working in our monitoring and our workforce planning teams are people who were call center agents who put up their hand and said, I want to come and spend some time on my off days with the workforce planning team and learn what they know. And that's how they ended up in those jobs.
0: Wow. Wow. That's very interesting. So, if, so there's an inbound part. This is when customers are calling into the organization, right? Yep. And then there's outbound and sales. This is when people are calling out to actually sell something to somebody. Yep. Okay. That's right. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to break it down just for people to get a sense of there are even just opportunities within that space. It's not just about answering the call as people are calling you. Because yes, that's what I, most of us assume and that's what most of us know.
1: In fact, the world is moving away from answering calls to proactively engaging customers through outbound calls, and secondly, through digital customer service. Like I said, we have a WhatsApp line where customers can WhatsApp us and we respond to them on WhatsApp, for example. Mm -hmm. On social media, someone could be watching idols, for example, and they could be tweeting about idols and we will respond to them on on, on social media. So the world is moving very much uh, away from inbound calls. I mean, when I, when I started at MultiChoice, we were handling close to 1.8 million calls a month. We now handle half that. Um, and where the growth has happened in, in magnitudes every year is in the digital customer service space.
0: Wow, that's very really interesting. So I'm hoping that anybody who's watching this um, or listening to it will get a sense of call center space is not just about we always assume that it was that low paying job and why would you want to do it and I think your story actually makes it come come alive and there are things that I didn't know about you I never knew you studied industrial psychology but anyway that's another story for another day <laughs> but I'm, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time so wh- what would be the last thing that you would like to leave people with um, if they really want to grow in, in, in the call center industry.
1: I think it would be a summary of what I said, Pumi. I, mm. I would say to people, stop this notion of thinking you must go from matric straight into university or, or study after matric. First thing I want to leave people with is to say, let your next step out of matric be a contact center or customer service job. Um, because that can give you a great platform to decide what you want to do my second thing I want to leave people with is to say, whilst you are then in that job, that's when you then study. Because when you're studying from that perspective, the studies will make sense. And secondly, you are then earning some money while you are studying and you end up at the other end of your your degree with a degree plus work experience. And lastly, I would say to people, don't look at the contact center or customer service job as a I'm going to take calls and I'm going to take calls for the rest of my life. As I've shared during this interview, there are many, many things that you could end up doing. It's all up to you and how ambitious you are. If you want to be uh, in a comfort zone, you'll be stuck in a call center agent job. And I've seen some people do the job for 15 years, which is tragic. Um, Or if you want to be ambitious and you want to take control of your own growth. And that's the key. That's the final thing I want to leave people with is to say, like you teach this in your career conversations with people. Um, and I subscribe to that because I've seen it with so many people. Hmm. The people who sit back and say, I'm going to wait for the organization to develop me are the ones who get left behind and who get stuck.
0: Yeah.
1: The ones who say, I'm going to grab it. For example, the example I gave you where they would come in on their off days and go and learn another job that is not their own. Those are the ones who end up getting success in this industry. Yeah.
0: Another thing has popped in my head. And I know we had said lastly, but I want to ask this. So these days, there's AI, there's machine learning, and there's all those things. How is that impacting the contact center? And isn't there a lot of fear and worry within the people in the contact center to say, our jobs are being taken away? What does that look like? Like, what is that future space
1: for the industry? So Mbumi, that is such a good question. So in terms of the machine learning, AI, and automation, I will add that to the, to yeah, the equation. Yeah. People fear that it's going to take jobs away from them. The truth is what it is doing is it's enhancing people's jobs. So let me give you an example of how we've used AI and machine learning to enhance people's jobs. So one of the things that our people always struggled with is the retention of product knowledge. And in multi choice, we have multiple products that are extremely complex. You know this because you design those products. and, and I once uh, went in on a Saturday to take calls myself, and I was astonished by how much our people need to learn and try and remember. One of the things that we've done it, with, with the support of, of my colleagues in the operations team is we've built an AI uh, bot, call, and a, a bot short for robot, uh, yeah. called Sumi. And what Tumi does is Tumi is a little window that sits on the call center agent's um, screen. Whilst he's talking to the customer, if he doesn't know an answer, he asks Tumi the answer and Tumi gives him the answer with screenshots, with detailed explanations, etc. So that's an example of how AI and machine learning, because we program all this knowledge into Tumi and, and we, I, we call her a she, but she also learns as people ask her questions. And that's what machine learning is. Wow. And Tumi, now gotten to the stage where it is so advanced that we're going to this year put it in front of our customers where the agent uh, the customer can ask to me questions directly and get the answers that they need so going back to your question what does that do for people's jobs yeah first of all it plays an important role in enhancing people's jobs but secondly um, it is also allowing people to become more specialized what do i mean by that AI and machine learning is taking away the, the mundane transactional things that people do in a contact center. So let me give you an example. If all you do all day long, and I remember this from many years ago when I was a call center agent working in telephone banking in FNB, if all you're going to do all day long is, is give people their balance and press pay 500 Rand to Edgars, if that's all you're going to do all day long, you are going to become bored very quickly and extremely unhappy with your job. What AI, machine learning, and automation does is it takes those mundane day-to-day transactions out of the call center space, allows customers to resolve those issues for themselves by speaking to a bot or speaking to uh, an automated system. And it allows the call center agents now to have much more richer conversations with customers where they are now focusing on building the relationship with the customers. They're focusing on cross-selling and upselling products. They're focusing on deepening how the customer experiences the organization as opposed to just being a little robot that, that gives you the balance and processes the payment for you. So AI and machine learning is not to be feared. It is there to help us become more human, I would say, because it's taken away the robotic tasks and it's allowed us as, as, as call center professionals to now show up with other human beings who are contacting us for service and be human with them.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, as I said, that was the last, last question. <laughs> Thank you very much, Madin, for, for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm hoping anybody who's going to watch or hear this, um, this clip, they will find it very valuable and they will take some of the lessons from there. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Mbumi.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume signing out and
1: I will see you again next week.